Welcome back to the Two Black Runners Podcast. I'm Joshua Pods, bro. And today we got a really good podcast for you guys. I know in the month of July, we're kind of full steam ahead. We're hitting every single Tuesday. But we have to step back real, real quick, you know. Sometimes you got to take a rest day. Coming to you here on a Two Black Wednesday, giving it to you. Make sure you guys join us on Instagram later today for Instagram Live at running underscore report. Uh-huh. And we're just trying to get it down, and, and we have a really good podcast for you. Be chilling with the big bro and Aaron's little bro. But let me introduce Aaron real quick, the brother from the same mother. Aaron, how you doing, bro? What's good, man? I'm just happy that we we are able to get this in. You know, we had some technical difficulties with the podcast, but it's all sure. good because we got the little big bro on today. And you know sure. what that means, y'all. You know what that means, y'all. What it means? The family affair. Hey. Okay. The family affair. Okay. Hey, but Joshua, do your thing. Do your thing, bro. Get the intro out. First off, coming in, weighing in at a 220 pounds. Soaking wet. muscle. Six three, Ooh. tall, dark, and handsome. Yes, sir. South State University Fullerton. Yes, sir. Power, ERHS legend, legend. Pops. Hey man, yo, what's ah. good? What's good? You said you said tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I gotta gotta guess up the you, we family. Gotta guess you yeah, up. Hey, tall, dark, and handsome. It runs in soon. the it runs in the family, you know. It runs in the family, you know. But and I'm actually 230, bro. You got to get my weight right. All right, 230, mm-hmm. 230, pure muscle. But, David, first off, like, going in, just how's everything going for you? Like I mentioned, uh, you're a thrower. Your main, I would say your main throw is uh, discus. Yeah. You also do shot. And um, the big thing right now, especially for you, has to be the impact of COVID-19, just like everybody in the world, but especially with this past season, this 2020 season being canceled, just can you just explain how the pandemic has been for you and like your track season, everything like that? Um, yeah, um, the pandemic definitely has been tough with the um, season being canceled. You know, that was really a hard one to take in, you know, um, been training since the beginning of August, you know, since the start of school and yeah. just to have, um, COVID just take it away. It's definitely tough to um, deal with and definitely to cope with it. I remember um, my coach just telling us how season was going to be canceled. Like the whole team was just in shock. So it's definitely been tough for sure. Yeah, and definitely like with Josh David's background, if you guys know, he had a long journey to get to Fullerton. He went to see he went to Mount Sac um, for uh, two years and then transferred over to Fullerton and this was going to be your first season you were hyped and ready to go how was your how's your mentality been and how have you been taking that on because a lot of people would be just like very disappointed through this but you found a way like you've been training people you've been grinding can you just talk about where your mind has been and your focus um where my mind has been mainly since I've had like so much more free time is just like really just trying to um just trying to grow, just trying to learn like every single day, just trying to keep my mind, my mentals right and active. You know, um, I just been trying to, to push forward. My main thing is just trying to stay uncomfortable. You know, mm. when you're staying uncomfortable, um, you're doing something right. And I think that's the number one thing for me. I've been staying uncomfortable, just trying to push myself. Um, we're in these conditions where can't necessarily go to a weight room. So 
you got to kind of get creative and um, kind of like just have to stay motivated within. So, you know, I just say um, um, just dealing with it, staying uncomfortable and just trying to find my motivation within, you know. And that motivation definitely has to lead into next season. So, like, just I'm just curious. Uh, you didn't get to mention it, but like how you're it's when you threw this past season, that was you only went through one meet. And, like, that was your first time throwing in, like, 12 months. So, like, what is really, like, your hopes going into this next 2021 season? And, like, what are your concerns? Because COVID's still in the air and his conference, the Big West Conference, just canceled or or postponed uh, their cross-country season to the winter. So, just, like, what is your hopes and concerns going into next season? Sure. My hopes, um, first, first and foremost, is that we have a season and that um, – everyone's safe first of all you know we're in a safe environment and we're able to compete i also hope to make nationals first and foremost you know that's always the goal always strive Mm -hmm. for the top but um yeah um i just hope that uh i open up hopefully at least next year with the pr you know um i think that's always a good thing to do at least for throws you know especially since um it's going to be what we've missed the whole season. Yeah. So I'm hoping to open up with a good PR. That would really be dope. And as a, as a person that is like a field event focus, you know, a lot of our listeners are runners, like distance runners or sprinters. Like what does the off season look for, look like for a thrower? Like, do you just be eating pizza and chicken wings? Pork rinds? This one, trying to shoot, man. <laughs> but nah, man, honestly, um, Hey, throwers, uh, don't come after me though. Don't come after me. Nah, you already you can't you can't say that now. You already said what you said. <laughs> but um, nah, typical off season for us looks like um we're just um um we're training. Well, throwers, we obviously we're training like year round. Um, we usually start off um with some technique drills, you know, some sprints, just trying to get our cardio right, trying to get our fitness right. And um, once that's um good, you know, we move on to doing throws and whatnot, and then we just um. Um, throw just to prepare for the season and we do like a lot of technique work and um drilling and lifting and that's just a typical I guess um off season of um a thrower I guess would you say that like you know your your weight your weight room your consistency with weights and you know is that like the equivalent to like a distance runner going out and like building base and running every day? Oh, yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, I feel like it's definitely equivalent, at least, like, for me, like, it might be a little bit different because, like, as far as, like, lifting, I've always, like, been in love with lifting, you know, since, like, I've started. So, like, honestly, don't even really be, like, um, looking at, um, like, weightlifting as, like, necessarily training. I moved on to, like, weightlifting being, like, more of my lifestyle, you know? It's part mm-hmm. of my lifestyle, so it's just something I do. So, um... I guess, though, it would be kind of equivalent, I guess, to you guys um, training yeah. for base and whatnot. Like, for, for me, at least, like, through these past, like, like year and a half of running, like, I've been injured and been trying to, like, come back. And, like, running is just kind of, like, a part of my life. It's something that I don't think I, it will ever go away from me. But when it's time yeah. to ramp it up and get ready for a race you know we start doing the interval work we start doing the tempos but like mm-hmm. just running like i can always go out and like knock out 
an eight mile run. Like it doesn't, Ooh, it doesn't really I matter. <laughs> hey, but you could go out and you could go knock out, you know, two twenty five on on a bench press like nothing oh, yeah. and get a workout in. Yeah, if yeah, I do that, definitely. if I do something like that, I'm, I'm gonna be sore for like, you, you know, for real though. You gonna you gonna cave your chest in? <laughs> yeah, for real, cave it in, bro. <laughs> But then, uh, David, let's like rewind it a little bit and just like talking about how like you found your love for sports and you, as you speak more on just your love of sports, how did you get like introduced into throws? Because for all of us, there's three, there's four of us. You guys already seen Caleb on the podcast, but uh, we all ran and at one point you were running track too as well. But how did that introduction to like throws come into play? Sure. Well, um, like you said, um, all of us have been running since we were small. And I think my first memory of throws had to be at least in like the fourth or uh, I would say like either the fourth or fifth grade. I didn't start off throwing at first. Um, I started off running like the rest of my brothers, even though I was a lot bigger than y'all. You feel me? You're hitting the four by one though. You was hey, out yeah, there. I was, I, you guys you had a pretty good team. Hey, you're nice there. though. <laughs> I sure didn't make the four by one. I remember having like a race off. Even though I hated running, bro, I made the four by one. But um, yeah, I just started running first, and I was, bro, I was a a, a chubby fat kid, bro, doing the 400, 100, 200. I did not like that stuff at all. So um, my dad introduced like um, throwing to me, and that's probably like the first memory I remember of throws and whatnot. And do you feel? And do you feel like that that uh, track and track and field like? training and like the discipline from that did that carry over to when you started when you started uh, playing football oh man most definitely i'm so thankful for um just um being able to do track early and and seeing early on like what it means like to work hard man i i remember um being in the fourth grade just even third grade watching you and caleb run and just seeing um you guys just really like pressing, like pushing in the workouts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And even from the older dudes on the gazelles, them throwing up in the workout. And I knew like how do how great these dudes already were. So you feel me? Just growing up and being around the practice, seeing how the atmosphere, seeing how to work hard and whatnot helped me immensely in football because you know, when I started playing football, I already knew kind of what it took, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. what I need to do like to get there. Like I knew, like, if I wasn't throwing up or I wasn't, like, <laughs> passed out on the ground, I wasn't working hard enough. Because I remember Coach Carlton and all them, they used to have y'all boys working, you know? Cracking that, cracking the whip, man. Yeah, the people don't know, bro. <laughs> they really don't. I remember uh, one time, one time uh, during our practice, we were doing, we were doing drills, and uh, Cheyenne and somebody else, you know, you know they always be playing, bro. Yeah, Guppy. They always be playing and stuff. But they kept playing around. So Coach Carlton was like, just he was like, go, just go run. Yeah. Go run the whole practice. And you bro, know, as a it, kid, you're like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, that's bro. abuse. They probably I ran mean, like only like four miles, but they just ran the entire practice. That's, just pretty, like, that's pretty that's long, long though, bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> four miles. I remember, dude. I like remember like, like whatever. Go ahead. I remember, like, for warm-up, bro, we would have to warm run a mile, bro, and cool down with a mile. Like, I'm just thinking, like, bro, like, what is this? You know, but just seeing that, man, like, Dale, you got you really got to put in work if you want to be great, you know? 
yeah. do. It put hairs, put hairs on your chest, man. It put hairs on your chest. We talked a little bit about how COVID affected you. We wanted to talk about um, how the how everything going on with the protest and all the civil unrest. How has that affected you as well? Uh, so far, um, as far as like the protests goes, um, I feel like it's definitely um a raise like my awareness and helped me, I guess, um, put more effort into raising awareness for my people and just raising awareness for justice. You know, what's going on in this country is very sad and it's been going on for too long and it needs to stop, you know. Um, it's it's very it's just very disappointing, you know. I'm tired of all the killings, the the mistreat mistreating of our people and whatnot. And uh, I feel like what makes me most sad is just like the ignorance on the other side, you know. Because on on this side, we're all about like just love and whatnot, you know. We just want peace. We just want to be equal. We just honestly, we just want to live. You feel me? Like yeah. at the end of the day, oh. and it's like mm-hmm. people getting mad for us living. Yeah, you know, yeah. just cause, just, just cause I want mine, you mad. Exactly. And it's like, I think disheartening is the best word to see it to say it because definitely when you're saying just about living or just about like mattering like a little bit more in this time in this time and like people not understanding like trying to have a rebuttal that all lives matter like obviously like all lives matter but then when you're up there saying all i'm saying black lives matter then you're saying all lives matter like bro like i know like what do you like what do you you don't think i know that all lives matter but like we're really struggling right now and the fact like black lives matter should matter in your all lives but you're not even like recognizing that so it's just the fact that people don't truly understand that's really disheartening that they can't, they sort of have these type of blinders like on around them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And even, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not going to say like it, it is hard sometimes to deal with um everything that's going on because it's like, um it's like sometimes um we put in the effort like to, to be nice or just to do the right thing. And you don't feel you don't feel like it's being like um, reciprocated, you know? Yeah. Like um, me, I always try to live my life. I try not to judge. I try to do my best not to judge. And the reason why I do that is because I'm a bro. I'm a big black dude. I already know someone's judging me. So why would I want? Why I treat people how I want to be treated. So mm-hmm. it's like if I'm judging them, you know, um, who says they won't judge me? So I always just try to treat people how I would want to be treated. But I, a lot of that's not reciprocated. But you feel me? You can't let down. You always got to keep pushing forward. Stay 10 tones down and just stand in what you believe in. Yeah, I, I, I 100%. You guys both hit everything on the head. My thing is, like, how are you going to protest the protest? You know? Yeah. That's just that's just ridiculous. In and a protest for equality, too, at most. A protest, protest for equality. You protesting the protest. It's like, what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. You know? But... Moving, moving back onto the track and field and everything, everything there. So you did club, you know, you did club track with us, and you you had success in club track. Like you made it to the Junior Olympics, but you found your your passion in football. When did you start to realize like you were just like a great athlete overall with like shot put and starting to like really like hit your stride in football as well? Well, um. I think when I started to realize um, 
I guess I was a good athlete was when um I tried out for baseball. Like I remember um mom, she was like, Oh, you wanna play baseball? Like one day and I was like, sure. And then like the next day I went to the tryouts. I made a team and like after my first season, I wanna say it was either my first season or second season, I had made the all stars. But um I think that was like when I really started to realize like, oh shoot, like I'm low-key good at sports because like you know how we used to play outside too? Like we used mm-hmm. to um when we used to live um over there, you know? And um yeah. we used to play outside, used to play basketball, and whatnot. And I remember like some of my friends, they were like they played like rec basketball or were on like travel ball teams. And I didn't really even play basketball like that. And I was like able to like low-key I was able to compete with them like at recess and I was low-key like better than them a little bit. So I was like, oh shoot, like I'm low-key. I'm low-key, like, an athlete. And when I first started to find my love for football was like, about freshman year, uh, probably, like, halfway through freshman. Well, uh, I would just say freshman year, I guess, I found my love for football. Um, I started – I played two seasons of football when I was in the third grade, and I think one in fifth grade. But, honestly, I did not like football at that time because, like, I was – like they I had said – They had you working, bro. Right, they had you working. I was, a, I was a fat kid, bro. So, like, <laughs> I, just picture this, bro. Uh, how old was I? A, a 13 or 12 year old having to lose 30 pounds, bro. Like how, like that's, it shouldn't, that's not right, man. Did they have you, they had you in the two trash bags, bro, chewing gum. A, yeah, trash bag, running the bleachers, bro. After practice, we have to do extra conditioning, this and that, just to lose all this weight. I was like, yeah, I do not like football, bro. So I would have to say high school. That's when I found my love for football. And what did you think about like shot put and throws? Like during this time was that still in your mind because you just made the junior olympics like the previous year and um, honestly i feel like throws wasn't really as uh i feel like throws really wasn't on my mind as much just because like i did not like to i did not like running bro at all so i it got i was still like doing like one race and i was doing like throws but like i was just like bro i just had running and throws like in the same uh-huh. That was like just the same thing for me, and I just I was not messing with that bro at all. But I always knew kind of that I w- I always knew I was gonna do it in high school again. But it wasn't like it didn't click like this huge button. Like oh my gosh, this I love this, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about going into like your senior year, and once you start like really focusing on football, then that realization that you're now gonna have to like shift your focus to throws, and now the JC. Like how okay. was that for you? So yeah, um, I would say uh, at the well during football season senior year, um, I started to get like a um, a lot of looks and whatnot, but um, things just didn't work out playing football. You know, I got hurt, my grades weren't straight and whatnot. So like by the time I was done with my senior year, I would say about like two months before we graduated, I realized I had to, to go to the JC mm-hmm. to play ball. So I mean, I tried playing ball at the JC, but then I had to get another surgery. So after that, that's when I was like, okay, like I got to throw, to be honest. So um, when I started throwing at Mount Sac at first, I didn't really like it. And then um, I wasn't really putting the effort I needed to do to succeed in throws. And then one day it just clicked like, dude, I'm gonna have to go out there one day and compete. You know, I'm gonna have to compete against these people and people that already been here. And I was like, bro, I can't get embarrassed, you know? So, um. When I switched my whole attitude, and then when I started um, putting effort into practice and whatnot, um, my throws and 
you know, my strength started um, drastically improving mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I think that's where I really started to fall in love with throws because um, throws is an honest sport. You know, you you get out of it what you put into it. You know, you just can't go. You just can't show up to practice and be like, I'm going to go throw far and hard. Like, that's not going to work. You gotta, you're going to get exposed. Exactly. You got to be mentally, like, locked in, you know, you, every single throw. Like, people don't realize that. People be thinking throws, it's easy, this and that. All you got to do is, Eat like, Cheetos. Yeah, like do this and that. But honestly, throws, it's a combination of explosiveness, footwork, athleticism. Like so many things go into throwing. And it's not just about off strength. It's mainly about technique, if you want to be real. And how did and uh how did you can you speak on too like in football, you know, when you're at practice for football, you know, it's like go, 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 like coaching your face, like intense. How was that? How did you bring that into the ring once you started focusing on disc and shot? Sure. How did I? I feel like I brought that within the ring, just um trying to stay locked in, you know, because throws ain't really like a raw raw type of sport, like in like in, in football. Football, you really could just run around and hit something, you know. You don't really got to be thinking that much, but like in practice for throws, it's all like about like muscle memory and really like remembering about like remembering your technique and whatnot so um you really got to stay like locked in and that's what i really try to do just try to stay focused locked in and just channel that that energy when it's time to throw you know and another thing that i really want to talk about because i feel like david like you have like a lot of like advice and just insight on like people trying to push past barriers and one barrier that like you really knocked down and like smashed through was that barrier someone at a JC to get to like a D1? Like that's something that people, people in high school, they dream of getting to that D1 status, but especially at a JC, it's all about getting out, getting that scholarship and everything like that. So what would be your best advice as someone that went from a JC and now got a D1 scholarship to go throw? Like what would be the best best advice for especially, that you would have for someone in that position? Especially like, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, they, they get to a JC and they just get there with a lot of disappointment because they feel like mm-hmm. that's not where they belong or they feel like people are judging them because yeah. they're at the at the JC level. And, and this even goes for people in academics, too, because they can exactly. feel like that the same way. And people can say, feel like that in academics. And, like, David has overcame, like he said, like his freshman year, he was ineligible and now he's now he's at Fullerton. He went to the JC, got everything together, grades and and with sports. So I feel like you, yeah, like Joshua said, I feel like you have a lot of like experience, and you have a lot, and you have a story that could be helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I would say the first thing what you got to do is um get over your ego. You know, you got to humble yourself. You got to accept the fact. You know, um, things may have not have worked out. You feel me? But you're still living. You're still here. You still have the world in front of you. You still have an opportunity. You're not too big for any situation. You know, you may have thought um, you're going to go this way, but things change. You know, um, the second thing I would say is um, you got to make sure you surround yourself with like minded people. Surround yeah. yourself with people that that want to get to a place you're going. I remember um, at throws, I had two homies that were we had people on the team that were just um, on the team, basically. And we asked, we had people on the team that were grinding, mm. trying to get to the next level. 
And by me surrounding myself um, by them, you know, when I could see them grinding, it just made me grind harder. You know, I could see them do something. I was like, man, I got to do this. You feel me? I got to one up them. And um, we just motivated each other. So I would just say uh, stay humble. Um, stay humble. Let go of your ego um, and surround yourself with great people. And also, I would have to say is just stay locked in, you know, uh, write it down or just know like what you want to do. Do you want to do sports? Do you just want to go to school, but have a clear plan of, plan of where you want to be, you know, just work for that, you know? Yeah, definitely. definitely feel that, bro. Cause I feel like definitely like out of JC, bro, from someone I was at a, a I was at a D1 first and now I'm back to where uh, David was at Mount Sac and like, Low key, like when you feel like you should be somewhere else, going to a JC just does not feel good, bro. Like just to be the honest feeling, like having to drive out there, just being like at like, I just feel like being at like a CC, you just know that like it's a stepping stone to somewhere better. And like, it's just, you just feel like you're in a constant grind. Not that like it sucks, but like, it's like, I always got a hard workout every day. Like that's what it kind of like feels like. So you definitely just have to, you, and you can't and you can't go to sleep on it. You gotta just be consistent and really like really push every day. Can I say this Go ahead, go ahead. I remember I was I think it was it was winter semester and I had to, to take a math class because I got placed like in a low math, bro. So I had like what like three or four actually I think I had two more math classes to take. So we had practice, I think we had practice at I think 10 a.m. 10 a.m. to to I think 1 p.m. And I had a class, a night class mm. at 6 30 p.m. to 9 30 p.m. Right. So I couldn't go home. <laughs> so I was at the school basically for 10 till 10 a.m. to 9 30 p.m. bro. Jeez. And you know you know you know what happened at the end of that semester, bro? Yeah. I felt that class, bro. Damn. <laughs> Oh, bro, I, when I tell you, bro, I was about to lose it all right there, man. Yeah. I was about to. But, hey. yeah, that stuff is a grind for sure, for sure. But, yeah, and, you know, how the, as they say, there really is beauty in the struggle. And I always felt like when I, at my school, I, I at my school, whenever the, the JC athletes came, like, they were on a whole different, like, mindset. Especially oh, like I I noticed it more like as I got older and the people like you come from a JC you come into the D one or D two or wherever you go and you're already like twenty twenty one years old you're so much more focused you're so much more mature and that's why I wanted to like ask you too David do you feel like the the journey you've been on did that set you up for when you came to Fullerton because like now you're at Fullerton and you have teammates who are like eighteen nineteen just getting into school do you feel like do you feel like a a big difference from going to the jc to the to the d1 yeah most definitely i do because i feel like um most of the people who just go straight to university at least student athletes i mean they don't even have to work you know so i feel like even me um having to work while i was at the jc having um uh, more than one job that prepared me a little um just uh what to expect like in the future and whatnot and just um, even having to commute to the, even having to like commute and just deal with um, um actually, actually our equipment was pretty good at Mount Sac I would say, but just having to deal with like the 
the pains of like um having to reuse like the same jerseys are not necessarily like getting um the stuff like you you would get at the university just having to deal with that stuff um kind of sucks but um I feel like yeah the JC definitely prepared me more just cuz it it taught me how to be more of like um how to just be more responsible I guess I would want to uh, say adult. Yeah, yeah, an adult. You feel me? Rather than just coming straight out of high school to uni. Yeah, bro, definitely understand all of that, especially being at a JC. Definitely become more independent. But then, David, as as we start to uh, wrap you up as this part of the podcast, before we get into like some more of the track news, I kind of want to talk about like the current state of like throws in track and field, like right now. Like especially speaking of like Valerie Alman, she just threw. 70.15 meters in the discus for American record. I think she PR'd by like six feet on with that throw. And then Ryan Krauser throwing number five all time with a 22.91 meters in the shot put, the men's shot put. Just like, could you like put in perspective just like how like beastly those throws are like for a man, for a man at like, and that in the shot put and a woman in the discus. And like, what does it take? Like, could you, Speak about like the gap in between like a collegiate and like a a pro that you could just see on like the TV, you know? Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, first off, I want to just shout out to the Team USA throws. You know? Yeah, yeah. They're killing nice. it. Especially Valerie, man, that seventy meter throw, that's crazy. She really killing it. You know, she has a great coach over her, watching her, and man, that girl. That girl's a monster, bro. <laughs> right, and don't even get me started on Krauser. That dude, man, shouts out to him. He's been killing it. Well, U.S. throwers, well, shot putters have always been killing it. You know, yeah. the U.S. men's throwers, the shot putters are just beast and whatnot. And I would say, I mean, what really is the difference from collegiate to professional has to be technique. Well, technique and strength. You know, these dudes are just pushing weight where yeah. where is the strength at in a thrower like where do you need to be strong at is uh mostly yeah yeah your legs your hips i mean if you have a strong squat and a, a strong um i guess clean you're you're in good shape for sure but i would say like the the, the pros you're it's like you're either like super strong or you're super you might be super strong it might it might not have like the best technique but it might be okay or you could have like, you could be super strong and have great technique, or you could be a person that has more of like great technique. So I would say that's where like you, um, that's where the gap is between collegiate and pros, for sure. I remember when, when I was in college. I mean, I knew a little bit about throws growing up just because you were participating. We used to go watch you throw in high school, and it was honestly one of my favorite events to to watch because i got to see you compete and you were doing your thing and beasting it but in college i remember we used to go to this meet at uc san diego and all the pros were there like a hoffa was there i think krauser was there too and that was like my first like up and close experience with throws like sitting at the bleachers right there and watching it with my coach and he's like explaining to me like what's happening and, and i thought it was so it was so dope and it was entertaining yeah. the entire time like these guys are almost throwing it out of the pit every time bro. <laughs> getting, yeah bro like yeah, getting yeah, hyped bro. i'm like that's crazy and i want you want to like talk about like what is really what do you think is really holding back throws 
from you know becoming more popular because i would even say like i mean i feel like a lot of people know american throwers at least on the yeah. men's side but i would even say out of the field events in general like it's it's slept on a little bit i have another story story too but like i remember in college at the the olympics i'm watching the 1500 final when Centro wins and my coach is there again uh barnett the, and we're watching the race and central's about to win and i'm going crazy hype and it keeps on but they're doing disc or something at the same time and it switches to disc and i'm like bruh like this sucks and he's like oh he's like hype though he's like i don't want to watch this dumb distance race so yeah it's like funny when you like think about it how there's so much diversity and like different events in the sport but yeah what we're gonna ask you though is like what do you think is like holding back throws a little bit from becoming more True. popular well i think what's holding back throws is honestly i feel like within like the schools college and high school i feel like the coaches gotta um they gotta demand for more things they gotta because I feel like um, a lot of a lot of these coaches, both in high school and um, in college, are are more passive. I feel like there's been a culture that's been developed where, okay, the, the throwers are just gonna get the short end of the stick, like regardless, you know. I feel a lot of coaches they think that and whatnot, but you see like the the pole vault coach or the long jump coach, they always pressing to get new things and to go to meets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if more throws coaches like started doing that instead of just like dealing with um getting the short end of the stick, I feel like we would be like more people would know about it and take it more serious and whatnot. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. and I feel like you think like at least I mean I had Azusa, my since my my director of legs was a throws coach. Like, yeah. We had good throwers in jab, we had good throwers in disc, we had good throwers in shot. That's three events. Yeah. Uh, that can get you a bunch of points to win conference. So you think it will get pushed a little bit, but they, but they, but they do get overlooked. And like, I was joking, making, I was joking and shooting. And there's all these little, like, you know, there's all these stereotypes of throwers, you know, like everybody jealous of throwers and what they do at practice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, but you, you can't tell me though, if the throws coach had the same energy as the, as the sprint coach, bro more things would be happening for the throws. Am I right or am I wrong? I mean, yeah. I mean, it depends on what program you're talking about. But, yeah. You at least, uh, bro, and low-key, I'm adding it up, too, right now. When you think about it, like, in the big grand th- the, on the grand uh, scheme of things, when you go to, like, a conference meet, like, the throws events have, I think, just two less than distance events. Yeah. What distance events, you have the 8, the 15, uh, the 5, the 10k and the steeplechase and the throws would be hammer shot javelin uh hammer shot da- javelin and yeah. disc that's four to five that's one one less event so like there are a lot of points to be scored and you can if you can have a consistent hey. amount of throwers that can go a long way and it's more than i mean jumps you got high jump triple jump long jump do you mm-hmm. count pole vault? well that's a whole nah, that's, that's a that's a People say that's a whole different sport. That's what people be. Well, that's what I'm saying. Hey, like throws, throws. There's a lot of throwing events. You could get. Yeah. You could get I a lot like of another, throws. Another thing too, though, like in high school, like you have all these schools. There's like some schools that only have like what, 
eight people on their throws team. And like out of those eight people, you probably have like one or two people that are really taking it serious, you know? Yeah. And like their coach probably don't even know what they're talking about. So you're going to, of course, they're not going to put any money towards um, the program. Put a name on it. Put a name (laughs) on (laughs) it. This dude, right? (laughs) I'm dead. But it's like, yeah, you got the the coach don't even know what he's talking about. So <laughs> how they gonna get them a, a coach? They're not gonna get the money to throws. You feel me? Yeah. So if you get a coach in there that actually knows what he's talking about, you get you some athletes that are actually committed. You feel me? Then I feel like that's when it's really gonna start shifting. Most definitely, it always starts. It always starts at that you know at the lower level. And I even think like I think back to to your first your first coach in club. What was his name? Homie. Coach King. Coach King. Yeah. yeah. Like I think it like starts starts there too. Like even at the club level, like having those those real coaches or like those people with real experience, not just like the kid that graduated high school like a year ago. You know. Yeah. Man, why you really you really try to call this man out? I'm. What do you mean? I ain't calling nobody <laughs> out, bro. There's a lot of people Wait, like that. He said that that kid that just graduated from high school two years ago. Uh, I said a year, <laughs> bro. <laughs> and his name starts with the L. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not. David, it was really good to have you on this podcast as you were able to pers- provide a real perspective and track and field that's honestly like really neglected, I feel like. And just all all things with throws. Cause like you said, the US shot putters, they're always there's they're they are, I feel like, covered like well, but I can't really name one javelin thrower. I can't name that many disc throwers. Like if you don't understand where I'm coming from. So we're glad to have you on this podcast, even though it's not the full one, but just to be able to provide this perspective from a thrower in the sport of track and field, because that's all Two Blacks Runners is about, giving a voice to the voiceless and really just hearing where they're coming from and trying to understand as we can provide better coverage and everything like that. So David, thank you for coming on, bro, being part of it. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's, um, it's always a pleasure to chop it up with y'all. Hopefully we can do some more things in the future. And um I want to say, uh, follow me on my my IG. I'm, I just made a fitness page. It's called Possible Fitness. Uh, the at will be in the description. Hopefully, I'll <laughs> be down there. I'll be down there. Hey, but yeah, uh, just follow me on my page. I'm gonna be posting some dope content. You feel me? We just gonna we gonna run it up. So run tag up, along on up. my journey. If y'all trying to get tall, dark, and handsome, make sure you go get this man a follow. All right, before we get out of here in this Two Black Runners podcast, we just want to go over a little bit of this track news going on since we're having a little bit more of a chill podcast this week. And honestly, this summer has of track has been really entertaining. I didn't think there was going to be a lot of track news this summer, but honestly, I've gotten proven wrong. Diamond League is getting to get going too. And then also Sound Running is coming with Sunset Tours very soon. So like it's going to be exciting for the rest of the summer. But we got to talk about just last month of July. Let's just talk about all of this that's been happening in Bowerman, Aaron. Like first, the first big thing was Mo Man and Shelby Houlihan breaking their respective national records and with Mohamed writing the number 10 all time in the 5k and then you have Mohamed running a world lead in 334 just first off bro like Aaron what do you 
what do you what do you think about this dude mo man we have him on the podcast last week but just in the respects of everything going the competition next year in the olympics like what do you think about his progression right now for the track bro, for the track game the homie mo man the big homie bro he i mean he's the best in the world right now he ran the 334 yep. he ran the 1247 he's finally i mean you know he's at speed we've seen how he's finishing he's we see how he finished um last year at worlds he finished with the with the best of the best and now yep. with the 334 under his belt um his confidence is only gonna be higher and the 1247 by himself i mean the confidence is there and he's ready bro he's hungry and it's not like he's someone like this isn't like a one-hit wonder this is something that's been built upon and like he said mm-hmm. when he was on the podcast one of his big things is he wants to be someone who's around for a while. And I think if you look at his progression, I think he is just, you know, starting to hit his stride. So I think we're going to see a lot from him in the Olympics. And he's going to be one of those names that's not just competing for a medal. Yeah. Competing to win gold. Bro. Then speaking of the other beast on the Barman Babe side, bro, Shelby Hulahan. What's she running that? 5K, bro, like 1423, uh, like 440 something average. She also paced the Carissa Schweizer to a four flat and paced the other Barman girls to like a 410. And then she ran like a 404 in their recent four four by fifteen hundred. But I think we all know Shelby Hulahan is a beast. She's probably gonna dominate. And she, she may win the, the 1500 Olympic trials, 5K Olympic trials again. But can she compete in the world stage? Could she finish top three? That's the question, bro. In the I mean, 15 or the five, like, can she do it? She can definitely compete at the world stage. But I would still say for her, I'm looking more so for her. You know, let's just get that medal. But I know she I know she's going for gold. But, you know, the women's is I'm not saying the men's is not insane because it is. But like. With Stefan, with Stefan up there going crazy, doing her thing. Um, even uh, what's the girl from Oregon Project, the skinny, skinny girl? Clovis. Are you talking about from uh, T. Julian's crew, Costanza Klosterhofen? Oh, yeah. yeah. She's Coco? A, she's a beast. You always got Dababa in the mix. There's, yep. there's, oh, there's so many girls, and it's just really tough on that end and like so far. and those girls the girls races like they're not tactical they're to the gun like they be beast out there bro yeah bro yeah. They, they ain't scared of running hard but i mean shelby i mean time trials make you tough you know 1423 in a time trial my question more she so ain't scared. Is, my question more so is like is she gonna is her chance better in the 15 or is it in the five and she has mm. such a good range. Like she was an 800 girl in college. And that kind of brings me back to like thinking like Bowerman in general, like they train their athletes so well there. They're all so well-rounded from, you know, the Shelby, Shelby, like what she's doing is like very similar to Lopez when you really think about it. 800 guy, now he's running the 10K. Now Shelby- yeah. We used to run the 400 in high school, bro. Now she's she's broken two. She's actually broken four. She's broken four, I think. Yeah, three, 355, 356, I want to say. Two, she's broken four, and she's ran, the, and she has the American record in the 5K. It's like, Jesus. 
So we'll yeah. we'll we'll see. But I definitely see her like she's gonna be someone we're talking about competing for a medal. Definitely. Then to expand more on like these Bowerman interest squads, we also have like the showdown in Old Town with uh, the Pure Athletics is running that. That's the group of like Shawnee Miller Weibo, uh, Noah Lyles, and Josephus Lyles. And then even just like uh, I think it's Athletic Ranch have people like Michael Norman's group and like Team Boss has like their own like club meets. We're seeing so many like club meets in different parts of the country because of COVID. And first off, let me just say on this podcast, I am so happy how a lot of these are covered, especially with Bowerman. We get to see them on YouTube for free the next day and on like the bigger friendly is always live streaming free on youtube what i'm just saying is a really good coverage it's always good coverage you know you feel me but i'm just saying like it's been great to watch but like this got me thinking and i talked about this yesterday and i raced the week on youtube like we need more club competition and more club atmosphere i feel like once we get back out there to where everybody's racing like next year at the pre-classic possibly, or at uh, USA Championships, but maybe not the Olympic trials, but just for that, we can get more of a team aspect and more just like fighting for everybody. Cause I feel like that would make everything more interesting, entertaining. Like, do you think that's possible? Yeah, I definitely think, well, I, first off, I definitely think what we're doing right now, um, what people are doing right now with these meets are an experiment of what we're gonna see done in the spring for track meets for collegiate and high school. It's something that we might see in general. But yeah, I'm saying like, think about this. If you enjoy the big friendly, you know, that club meet, just imagine if they were actually like, uh, um, the stands were filled with people there watching. Yeah, bro. Would that, would that have been something that's pretty cool to you? And I think so. And I mean, so we'll see like if if brands look at the success of these meets and they're like you know what this is something i can invest um, invest in i can invest in this big meet between um hoka nj and y and um uh Bow- and bowerman and uh oregon track club elite like you know like uh yeah a, a try a try distance distance meet at at mount sack you know and it's just these three teams competing in all these different events uh you get sponsors to invest in it and you make the event you know very um what's it called audience friendly and you just focus on making the event as fun and competitive as possible and go for these times is that something we could see in the future i mean i think so and like Going forward, like we don't know, COVID could be here till 2022. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what develops. But I definitely think this is an opportunity for brands and um, meet directors to come up with a new way to present track and field in a fun way. Yeah, I really think so. And I feel like even just like the relays, like this four by fifteen hundred, like that's really Bowerman, I feel like really just did that for their training cycle and was like, hey, let's get this world record too at the same time. But like it's 
that's a really interesting thing that can just be added into like into like a meet or even into the u.s championships like a four by four i know we only run the four by four when we get to the world championships but if we can have pure athletics put a four by four or four by one together then they get an extra bonus from like usatf for winning that i feel like that would really encourage for like the sprint teams or even them distance teams to put out a four by eight to like really compete and have just have more people compete at the u.s championships because i feel like that's all we want to see is more people competing more races and more excitement to the sport and who doesn't love a good relay especially in a championship setting like it's always going to be exciting yeah all we want to see is good competition man we want to see people going at it people trying to run fast and this year people are proving that they can run fast by by themselves with not that many people by a meet that their coaches put together you know yeah you gotta travel all the way to europe i mean we could do it in the backyard and you might run a real lead you might run an american yeah record. so i definitely think this is gonna have an effect on track and field in america then speaking of people just really running world leads by themselves, we got to talk about this dude, Donovan Brazier, bruh. I feel like he's getting brought up a lot in the past year, but he really has been beasting. So the question I really want to ask you is like, right now, is Donovan Brazier the most dominant American in USA track and field? Is he like the number one golden boy? Um, He's, he's killing it, you know, 332. 143 but i still gotta give it to my guy i mean he's more i guess your guy michael norman bro michael norman he just ran a world uh, in the 100 he's a 400 meter guy like come on man that that is the golden boy what did he run yeah nine eight uh nine eight nine eight yep. six bro that's that's no faster than Noah allows pr and he's a four guy like, I think he he is the man right now. I'm hoping that we get to see him race like a 200 or something else this year. But I would definitely say, like, that is who has impressed me the most in the U.S. so far. But Donovan is killing it, though. 143.8 by himself, 332, insane. But I think his... His 986 in an off event is better than Donovan Brazier's 332 in his off event. True, 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 true. I was gonna, I was gonna try, I was gonna try and rebuttal that off event, but for, that's that's definitely facts. That's definitely facts. But the only thing that's against Michael Norman right now is that gold medal, bruh. Like I know he was injured. He was injured once it came into time, but we we never got to talk about Michael Norman when he ran that fast time. When we're speaking on uh, that injury this past year at the World Championships and how that all went down, I remember you and Dad that your main thing and criticism towards Michael Norman was the fact that he ran that 43-4 so early at the Mount Sac invite. What is that in April? Like that is super early to run 43-4 that end of the season to sort of break down. And then he comes out again, opens up in 986. Like, I don't know if he may need to chill out a little bit. I don't know if he's just a beast and like he's just gonna run faster this year, but I don't like Michael Norman is definitely a beast, but I think I'm giving it to Donovan Brazier right now as the most dominant USA track and field athlete. Like he really can't be stopped in any event, and there's no one really slowing him down in the world, to be honest. To me. I can see that. I can see that. And definitely too, yeah, with Michael Norman, just 
the whole this whole thing is just staying healthy in his camp. I think they train and they run hard, but I mean, he ran it. I mean, I know it's COVID, but he ran that in in July, which is which is good good timing. So hopefully, they can do that same thing next year, and he'll be ready for the Olympics, and we can see a world record go down in something in the four, in the two. Or we may see Dominic Bridge break down the world record in the eight. I'll be happy to see that too, man. I'll be real happy to see that. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. But I think that's kind of really all that we have. I think we got a little bit more stuff, but I think that's really all we have. We got a great interview from David on this podcast, giving us of just a greater perspective on throws, perspective that you probably never even thought about. And throws is really something interesting. I hope that you guys all get to check it out next year at the Olympics where they really get to do like focus coverage on it if it's from the shot to disc to uh, javelin because I definitely will be looking out for that more and yeah thank you guys for joining us episode 17 of the two black runners podcast Aaron you got anything else you got to say bro to the people before we get out of here I just want to say again like thanks thanks as always for really watching and if you stayed this far into the podcast like you really are a true homie and we really appreciate you guys that the, the guys, you know who you are. You know, you listen every week to the end. If that's really you, like, I do 100%, like, appreciate you. And then going back again about the throwers, like, it's on us to step up. And, you know, we want to push the, the sport forward. Like, the running report motto is we're built for and by the culture. And a part of being for and by the culture is pushing the sport forward. So when you come here, Absolutely. you're always going to hear something something new from us but man just thanks again really for listening to us and now y'all met the whole family y'all met the whole, whole family family and, and low-key bro if, if like aaron said if you've been listening every single week if you listen to every single pod all the way through bro can you leave a rating down below and if yeah. you don't leave a rating can you dm me real quick just to say that you listen to all of them because i'll kind of appreciate that like dm us on running report at running underscore report or dm my personal mr not possible like i just want to know who you are because i want to like i don't know bro maybe we can give you something in the future or something because you're really a real one if you listen in every week real no. talk yeah no real talk straight straight up and like you guys motivate us to we know we got this one out late but you guys motivate us to keep going and like yeah i mean i love doing these it is tough getting it in every week but you know the goal is 52 man and i don't give up 52. i don't give up 52. on gold so it's gonna happen one year straight every week coming to you two black tuesday or two black wednesday but no matter what we two black runners yes sir Let's get it. thanks for joining us y'all see y'all next week